All right, so uh, here we are. This is the last week of a series that we've done called Pass Forward. And for the first half of the series, we were looking at the, the last 30 years of what God has done at Seacoast because we were celebrating 30 years. And uh, then we've been looking forward to the next 30 years. And a uh, part of what we were doing was we were... Uh, we were talking about a project that we're going to be taking on as a church that we're going to be resourcing, and that is the Community Life Center. That's our former auditorium that we're going to convert into a place where uh, really life can be done, where we can build community, all of our rooted groups and our step studies and our uh, open share groups and CR and all the ministries that we have at Seacoast can, can find a home there. And so uh, we ask you guys to to take home your pledge cards and to bring them back today and to really start to pray about what it is that you're going to give or if you're going to participate in this. And, and one of the reasons why we did that is because if you are like me, um, I don't feel like I can give a whole lot because I don't have a whole lot of extra. I don't consider myself a wealthy person. I mean, God's been good to me, but I'm not sure if I have a whole lot of extra to give. Um, if you know a little bit about, you know, my life story and where I'm at is uh, I got three young kids and, and I decided to, on top of that, that I would try to remodel my house uh, on my own with my own two hands with YouTube's help. And um, <laughs> we're a few years into this project Still got quite a bit of work to do. In fact, uh, my wife was making fun of me, so I wrote this down. This is what she said to me yesterday. She says, I wanted to build our forever home, not take forever to build our home, <laughs> which I thought was rude. Yeah. I quit. I quit on the job. I was like, you know what? I can't work under these conditions. I'm out of here. Um, actually, it's kind of funny because it, it's become kind of a joke in our family recently. We were standing outside, and my, my parents moved across the street from us, and I did that intentionally because childcare is expensive. And, uh, and so we were working on their house, and we were redoing the siding and everything. And so we're sitting out there, and we're looking at it, and we're trying to figure out, okay, where are we going to put the siding? And this lady walks by with her dog, older lady. She says, oh, you guys are going to finally finish your house. That's awesome. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, it's taking a little bit of time. She says, those people across the street, I heard they ran out of money. They're never going to finish. <laughs> My dad looked at her and was like, I heard the same thing. They're a mess over there, which is true. Um, it's so part of like, you know, when we're talking about fundraising and things is, man, we just think, I'm not sure if I have any extra to give. And that's why we say, go and pray about it because God will provide. God will figure this deal out. And so if it's up to us, I don't know if I have a whole lot of extra, but in God's economy, he'll figure it out. And so we challenge you guys to go home, pray about it, and, and you and God kind of wrestle through what that looks like. Do I? Uh, if you didn't bring an envelope back with you or you didn't get one, we have some available. If you just raise your hand, a little envelope and a card, and uh, there are some ushers, they'll bring them down to you. Just keep your hands up, they'll get to you. And uh, that way you can, uh, you can be a part of, of what's happening here. And, and uh, so a few weeks ago, uh, I started this, a couple weeks ago, I started this um, by talking about when I set out to do uh, Seacoast down at the beach, um, my kind of verse for that, my life verse, was Acts 13:36. And it's uh, and it was about when that David, when David served God's purpose in his own generation, he died and his body decayed. The died and body decayed part was the important part. But I believe that because I'd seen so many churches kind of last for one generation and then disappear, maybe that was God's will. Maybe that's what's supposed to happen. And uh, so I set out to to reach boomers, my generation, uh, with the gospel. And I figured it'd be between God and the next generation what they were going to do after that. Um, and that was kind of my mindset. And then uh, a few years ago, someone came to me and said, you know, a part of God's purpose for David and his generation was equipping Solomon to build the temple. In other words, resourcing the next generation to reach their generation. 
And so I begin to think about that, I begin to pray about it, and I begin to realize that I have a responsibility, not just for my generation, but um, to equip the next generation of leaders. So now I'm the oldest one on staff. I think we have a part-time staff, just told me she's older than me. Can't believe she admitted it. But, uh, uh, but other than that, I'm the oldest on staff, and we're developing these younger leaders. And, uh, and I began to realize that we needed to also set up our facilities that way. So a few years ago, we remodeled the children's building, and now we want to do this because we believe for the next generations that sitting in circles and around tables and looking at each other and figuring out how to do life as a Christian is really important. And so, like David, I realize I've got some more work to do. Now, I'm not quite done yet, and all of us uh, uh, have more work to do, no matter what age you are. And so we have invited you into this process, and, uh, and we hope that you have actually taken it serious, because it's really not about just raising money. Yeah, I forgot to mention that um, part of what we're doing is we're going to do a couple side projects in addition to this Community Life Center. And this last week, uh, it's really a God thing. We've been praying about it, and the, our, our neighbor next door, Ushio, said hey, on Sundays, you can use our parking lot if you want. So that's 140 spots that's directly behind our old auditorium that they said we can start using right now, which is cool because we've kind of run out of parking, and so that was like an answered prayer, boom, immediately. So, um, yes, yeah, so some of you guys who get here early, you can park over there, all right? So, yes, I'm very excited about that. Um, okay, so David sets out to raise money in order to build the temple, and the temple, um, if you're not familiar, it's really a ministry place. It's where people are going to come, and they're going to worship, and they're going to learn, they're going to read the scriptures, and the next generation is going to be taught. And, and so he raises the funds in order to build the temple, but you quickly realize that he's not just interested in trying to uh, resource building the temple, but he's after something a little bit deeper, is he's trying to build the people of Israel's faith. Because it's always, at the end of the day, a heart issue. When you're looking at the scriptures, it almost always is going to be something where God's trying to get a hold of people's hearts. And so this season of Israel, if you know anything about the Old Testament, they kind of go through cycles. Where sometimes they're obeying God, things are going well. Other times they're in rebellion and God has to punish them. And this is a time when things are going really well. In fact, it's probably the best in Israel's history. They're following God's commands. He's rewarding them. Uh, David's a great king. But David has this underlying concern is yeah, these people are doing everything that they're supposed to do. They're externally, they look righteous and they're following God's commands, but I'm a little worried they're just going through the motions. That there's something in their heart that they find more important than God. There's an ultimate in their life and it, it may not be God. Yeah, yeah, they're doing all the right stuff, but is their hearts really uh, committed to loving God? And so part of this building campaign for David um, is not just about building this, uh, building this building, it's about building their faith. And I like to think of building faith as just like building any other muscle that we have. Is it's going to take some time, it's going to take some, some effort, you're going to have to push yourself. Because it doesn't just happen overnight. So uh, if you may have noticed, Brett not only raps, but he can bench press this room. Um, <laughs> Big dude, right? And I have this sneaky suspicion that he didn't just wake up one day and go, dude, this is crazy. I can bench 400 pounds just all of a sudden. Like last night, couldn't do it. This morning, here it is. What did I drink last night? This is crazy. No, he started and then he's continued to increase and push himself in order to build those muscles. Well, the same is true with our faith is if we just stay in one place and we don't push ourselves, make ourselves a little bit uncomfortable, we really step out on the edge of faith, then we're going to be stagnant and faith will be kind of mundane. But the more dangerous part is not only will your faith become mundane, but you may even begin to start to, to shift or to, to drift and to wander away from um, making God your number one priority. Because here's the truth about the human heart, 
and you don't have to be a Christian to believe this, is the human heart was made to worship. And, and, and people have noticed this. Philosophers have been talking about this. There's something within the human heart that, and when I say worship, I don't just mean sing songs. What I mean is to make something the ultimate and most important thing in your life, the thing that you find purpose and value and meaning and significance in, that everybody will attach their heart to something and it will become their ultimate. The problem with the human heart, though, is that it's fallen. It's messed up. And so it continues to attach its heart to lesser things, maybe good things, maybe things that God has given you, like your job and your spouse and your family, e even your wealth, good things that we make ultimate things. And those things will always disappoint us because they're not enough to be able to satisfy the longings that we have in our hearts. They always end up disappointing us. And so we constantly have to be refocusing our heart off of those things and onto God. And that's part of what... Um, David was trying to do was he was trying to refocus their the, the the heart of his people onto God instead of the other things that they have um, decided to make the number one priority and David knew this and Jesus would later talk that the thing that often fights for the most attention in our life for the number one spot is money money is one of those things that continues to fight for the top spot in our heart and, and I think the reason is because it's a it's sort of like a pseudo salvation it's a pseudo savior because it does, or at least promises, the things that only God can do. So money promises that it's going to give us safety, and it's going to give us uh, security, and it's going to give us significance and satisfaction, and yet that really can only be found in God. But money kind of tries to make us believe that if we have enough of it, we can gain those things that we really want. And so the way that uh, Jesus says we have to deal with this desire to make money, the number one priority, which is called greed, by the way, the way to fight greed is through sacrificial generosity. So he has this interaction one day. Uh, this young, it's called the, they call him the rich young ruler, comes up to Jesus, and he's very wealthy. He's done um, um, really well for himself, and he's a very religious person. He follows all the commandments of the scriptures, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, I want you to sell all your riches, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And says that he goes away sad. Because Jesus understands that there's this thing, greed in our hearts. Even if we're following all the rules, there's this thing that's, that's sneaky, that hides within us. And the only way to, to, uh, to fight it is through sacrificial generosity, because greed hides from us. This is why in Luke 12, 15, Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because greed is different than any other types of sin. So Jesus never said, watch out for adultery. Because no one has ever gone, oh my goodness, you're not my spouse. Where did you come from? Well, this, is, <laughs> this is embarrassing. No, it never sneaks up on you. When you're committing adultery, you know when you're committing adultery. But when you're greedy, you don't realize you're greedy. It's one of those things where you can't recognize it in yourself. It hides from you. And so there's no like looking in and going, I'm, do I see greed in my heart? You can't see it. You're blind to it. And so that's why Jesus challenges us with consistent and sacrificial generosity. It's because everybody believes they're generous. If I asked you today, are you a generous person, you would say yes. And then you would point to the one time you gave that homeless guy $20 and you went, look, I'm a generous person. You may have been generous before, but that doesn't mean you're living a lifestyle of generosity. And so it takes this consistent and sacrificial generosity to fight the greed within our hearts. So the, uh, it's counterintuitive to think that the way to have a great life is to give stuff away. 
But actually, that's what Scripture teaches. Again and again, it takes conventional wisdom and turns it upside down. And uh, so when we first started down at Seal Beach, Connie and I, it was in the 80s, uh, back in the 1980s. For those of you who weren't born then, uh, America had already separated from England. Uh, we had our own country going. And, uh, and, <laughs> and there was this mess called television evangelists. And it was a bunch of guys on TV. They were preaching one thing, living a whole different deal, and asking for a lot of money. And so when we started, we became very much aware of how people would think about the church, especially non-church kind of people would show up thinking all they want is money. And you may be here today thinking the same thing. And so we started out and we wouldn't talk about money because I knew that's what people were expecting. We didn't talk about money. And, and then one of my mentors said to me, but you don't understand the way we deal with money, dealing correctly with money, having a, a, a proper understanding of money. Money is not bad. Wealth is not bad. But coming to grips with it is one of the most powerful things you can do to help people grow. And you need to be aware of it, and you need to be addressing it. And so we began to do that. And so over the years, we have seen through talks about giving, through special campaigns like this, about projects we're doing, giving, we've actually seen people step in and take huge strides forward in their faith. Because it really is not about the money, it's about the heart, okay? So now here's the problem with being a pastor. Whenever I speak on something, I usually have to live it out that week. Like, you'll never see me speak on patience. And so every time we do one of these campaigns, guess who needs to lead the way? Me. And I don't make any more money because you give a lot of money. Matter of fact, I'm going to lose money on this deal because I need to give. And, and we really tried. So our whole staff, we did three. And we're not bragging about this. I just thought we had to tell you. We did three weeks of fasting and prayer before we even launched this thing. And every time we do one of these, and this is the same again, my wife and I and him and his wife separately, we all go pray and think about it. And then my wife and I will get together. How much should we give? And we give and it hurts and it's a little sacrificial. And we feel like we ought to lead the way, if not in the amount, because I don't make as much as some people, but in the percentage of my income versus what I'm giving, I try to get out front as much as I can. Uh, and I believe that's where God leads me usually, okay? Uh, just so you know that. And, and so we try to lead the way and so that we wouldn't ask you to do anything we don't do. David was the same way. David led the way and gave a ton. I mean, just a whole bunch. Matter of fact, he gave so much that the people were inspired to give so much that they actually had some reserves left over at the end. <laughs> I heard a hallelujah. I like that. That's good. Oh, you're not? I don't know. I think I'll quit. I was, I was with it. I was, woo, okay, let's go. Get it? Freestyle. Let's go. No, that's a wrap. Anyway, okay. All right. You better stick to... I'm going to stick to my not, notes. Not wrapping. Uh, First Chronicles uh, 29 is the end of the story. Let me read it really quickly. It says, Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. And so I want to point out just a couple key words in here. First one is that they gave willingly. And you got to remember that David was the king. And so if he wanted to fund this project, what he could have done was, hey, we're going to put an extra tax for the next couple years in order to build this temple. It would have been no sweat off his back. He wouldn't have had to dip into his own reserves or in his, uh, into uh, all his finances, and he could have just paid for it. But that wasn't the point. The point was not just to build this building. The point was to change the people's hearts. And the only way to do that is not through taxing them, but for asking them to give uh, willingly. It also says freely. They gave freely because they were much like us and that somehow this thing, money, has this, this power over us. And it's weird if you think about it. Money is just little pieces of paper or it's numbers on a bank account, but it has this incredible power over our lives. And, and many times, most of the time, it enslaves us. It controls so much of what we do and what we think. 
And because they had started to give willingly, and now they were uh, giving uh, sacrificially, they were able to rejoice and be glad because they were free from the power of money. It no longer controlled them anymore. Because that's one of the great benefits of being a generous person is money doesn't control you. Before, I was enslaved, whether I had enough or I, had, I didn't know what if, if it was going to uh, last long enough or what. I don't have to worry about that anymore because I am free from the power of money. That's why we say around here, we don't want to take your money. We just don't want your money to take you. Is the money has that ability to consume us. And then it also says that they, uh, they rejoiced. As a result of this newfound freedom from the power of money in their life, it, it was... Uh, it was a, a joyful time. It brought joy into their lives. And, and that's why I have a hard time when um, we begin to talk about money and people struggle with it. It's awkward. They sometimes get angry and cynical and they start to, I just go, you haven't read the scriptures, what it says about being generous with our finances. Is it's not something to make us awkward or uncomfortable. It's something that should produce joy in us because we get to see uh, God work in people's lives because of the resources that we've provided. We get to see God work in our own lives when he shows up and we don't know how it's all going to work out and he somehow puts it together and we get to see God bless us in ways that we know we just simply don't deserve. It's because at the end of the day, when we give generously, it produces joy. Verse, th verse 10, therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And so David's response to the people's generosity was, to worship God. Now that might seem a little bit disconnected because it's like, wait a minute, they were the generous people. Why isn't he praising and celebrating them for their generosity? Well, I think it's because David has a, a bigger perspective. He kind of gets it and he goes on and explains it. I'm going to fast forward to the end here on, on uh, verse 14. It says this, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? See, what he's saying here is, is, who am I that I can give so much, that I can give sacrificially? And you might be thinking, wait, David, if there was anyone who could brag about their position in life and about their wealth, it's you. Because you started from the bottom, and now you're here. Y you didn't have anything. You were just a poor shepherd, and now you're the king over Israel. You have vast wealth. You have the right to be able to brag. And he says, no, I, I really can't take credit for this. He explains why in the next, next part of the verse, he says, for all things come from you. See, he realizes, I didn't create the world. I don't sustain the world. I don't control the world. I didn't even control when or where I was born, the resources that I have, the talents and gifts. None of that was in my control. All I can really take credit for was I just didn't screw it up that bad. And so when I look at what I've been given and even the opportunity to be uh, a sacrificial giver, I know that it's not because of anything that I've done. And he finishes with this. And of your own have we given you. See, it's all God's. At the end of the day, it all belongs to him. And he's got to get it back one way or another because we're not going to be able to keep it forever. And so he says, when I give, it's not like I'm giving something that is mine. It's actually yours anyway. And so I just thank you for the opportunity that you would entrust these resources to me and I would be able to be a steward of these. And when I give them back, I'm really just giving them uh, back to, to the original owner, to the person that they belong to. And so I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be able to give. Verse 15, he talks about the fact that life is short. And frankly, and I'll just paraphrase for you quickly, he says that life is meaningless unless God's in your life. Life is short, and it can either matter or not matter. Life's going to be short either way. The question is, will you invest in something for eternity? 
and he recognized that without doing something of eternal value, life is pretty much you're here and you're gone and it doesn't matter too much. And then he reminds us in verse 16 that it all does belong to him. And then in verse 17 and 18, he gets back to the real heart of the issue, if you will. It's about your heart. It's never about the money. It's never about the money. It's about your heart. It's about my heart. It's about a willingness to follow God. Let me read verse 17 and 18 for you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in our hearts, in the hearts of your people forever, and keep their hearts loyal to you. It's about your hearts. The reason we always see after these uh, campaigns, well, we see some people get a little disgruntled or sideways occasionally, but we always see large numbers of people just step forward in their faith, in their commitment to faith, because it's about getting your heart on the right uh, trajectory and keeping it there. So today, what we're going to do, last week I warned you that we might make you dance down front. Well, we're not going to make you dance, but we are going to come down front. And so here's what, we're going to have fun. If you remember, I told you in Africa, when, when they come to take the offering, usually one of two or three, uh, it's the happiest time of the service. And I think that we should be joyful that we have been given resources that we get to give. And so the band's going to come out, and the singer's going to come out, and here's what we're going to do. If this is the first you've heard about this, take an envelope. If you want to fill it out now, you know what you should give, great. If not, go home and pray about it. Um, and, and, be, and, and help us get ready for the next 30 years. But if you are ready to give today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come down front. We're going to put it in a basket. Now, there's a couple things you need to know. One is, after you're done, go back and sit down, because we have one more verse. It's a really fun verse. We're going to take one minute and tell you about it, and then we're going to pray for you, okay? So afterwards, go ahead. Come up, put your, uh, put your envelope in the basket, and then beside that, we have uh, a little cross, so if you ever get a chance to go with us to Israel, we will show you the city of David that they've excavated. We'll also show you Solomon's temple. You'll probably, you'll stand within just inches of where Jesus probably, maybe possibly on the very same stone Jesus walked on. And they still exist today. Uh, and, and you can see them. And one of the things we do in Israel is we go into Bethlehem, which is a Palestinian city. Um, and there is a Christian family there, Christian, um, uh, the only kind of very few non-Muslims. And because they're non-Muslims, they can't get a job, they can't work, whatever. And they have, for a very long time, existed on people like us, coming with uh, tourists, pilgrimages to Israel, coming and buying stuff that they make as, as souvenirs. And that's how they're sustained. And so we shop there every time we go there, we support them, uh, and, and as other Christians do. And we thought a great thing for you today was a way to remind you of what you've done in your step forward in faith and in your commitment is to give you a cross made by that family in Bethlehem. And so today, if you will just put uh, your envelope in the big basket and then take a cross, and if there's two of you in, in your family, take one for each of you and attach to it as a little card to remind you why we did this and what to pray for, okay? A little reminder which you can pray for. And it's nothing fancy. It's just a little olive wood cross from Israel. And yet, we just wanted to have something to remind you why we make these sacrifices. Because the truth is, the bottom line of that card, what to pray for, it's about all the things that happen in that building are going to happen. But at the bottom line, it says, and we pray for those who are not here yet. Because we're doing this so that many more will know Jesus and come to know Jesus and come to a place of health and wholeness in him. So we're just going to do it. Band's going to play. They're going to sing. We're going to come down now. You don't have to dance, but I recommend it because it's a lot more fun that way. So come on, let's give, take a cross, and go back to seat, and we'll finish up.
<laughs> that, was, that was fun. Not as fun as Africa. We'll have to do it again. But hey, by the way, if you turn in your card early, you're still welcome to come down, get one of these. Keep coming if you want to come. I just want to read this final verse. And it's in, in 1 Chronicles 29, where we were reading from. And it's verse 22. And after they had given, after they'd given honor to God, and then here's what it says. They ate and drank with great joy in the presence of the Lord that day. They celebrated. Today we want to celebrate. Let's stand together. Let me pray for you. And then we got free breakfast for you on the patio. All right? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for being so good to us. What a privilege. What a privilege to be loved by you, to be forgiven by you, to be promised eternity with you. And thank you for the privilege of giving so that others' lives can be changed too. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. Honor them. Let them know what they have done and what they've committed to is really important, Lord God. And let them truly feel the joy of giving. Lord, we love you. You're so good to us. Lord, bless these folks this week in Jesus' name. Amen.